Now grab your Bibles or turn on your Bibles. How many of you um, access your Bible technologically or through your um, phone? Just raise your hand. I just want to see a, a, a number of you. So turn on your Bibles now. Grab a Bible if you don't have one. They're in the racks in front of you. And let's go to Mark chapter 1. What we're doing now is we're backing up. The table pictures Christ's crucifixion, the end of his earthly ministry. Now we're going in Mark chapter 1 to the beginning of Christ's earthly ministry. And we're going to conclude our study in the Mark chapter 1 this morning. Let me set it up this way. Christianity is both a belief system and a lifestyle. So if we believe the table, if we really believe that Jesus Christ died in our place for our sins, if we believe in divine grace and we've accepted that grace, and that's part of our belief system, then that changes how we live. So instead of living for ourselves and denying Christ, We live for Christ and we deny ourselves. And that's the issue each and every one face and every single temptation we face. Am I going to live for myself and deny Christ? Or am I going to live for Christ and am I going to deny myself? Now that's a lifestyle choice that we make constantly. If you go to verse 17, as we saw a couple weeks ago, Jesus describes this lifestyle very simply. Two words, follow and fish, follow and fish, follow and fish. Follow me, fish for men, women, students, children. Our problem is that too often our Christianity is merely a belief system. So we don't really follow and we don't fish. So, for example, you believe in Jesus... But you never turn off the TV. You never turn off work to spend time with Jesus in significant, meaningful prayer and Bible study or in significant, meaningful, deep relationships with other members of the body of Christ that can hold you accountable and bear life's burdens with you. Or you don't turn off the TV. You don't turn off work. Uh, to enable you to, to lift up Jesus Christ to all the thousands and thousands of people just around us that don't know Christ. And, and you don't turn off the TV long enough uh, to step in and minister to the needs in, in our communities of the under-resourced, uh, people that have glaring needs. And you just sit in your chair. Because for you... Christianity is a belief system. It's not a lifestyle. Now, over the first couple of weeks, as we've begun our series in the Gospel of Mark, we've been talking about the belief system, about who Jesus is as Mark presents Jesus. Today, I want to shift. And I want to look at what Jesus' life teaches us about three critical lifestyle issues, busyness, prayer, and priorities. So we're going to pick it up in verse 32, Mark chapter 1 and verse 32. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. 
They were ahead in their Christology. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, and the paraphrase here is, how in the world could you be doing this, Jesus? Everybody is looking for you. Jesus, come on. And Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Now let's start with busyness. You're busy, I'm busy. Uh, how you doing? Oh man, I'm busy. Uh, how, how are you today? Man, I have been so busy. Uh, how you doing? Man, I have been so busy this last week. You're busy, I'm busy. What I want you to notice is 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ was really, really busy. Now laziness is always bad. Busyness is not always bad. Here in verses 32, 33, and 34, Jesus is at the end of a busy, exhausting day pouring himself out in, in ministry that began all the way, the day began all the way back in verse 21. And the longer the day goes, the busier Jesus gets. Busy, busy, busy is Jesus. The line at Peter's door, the door of Peter's house, was long. People were pressing, pushing to see Jesus wanting to hear Jesus, wanting Jesus to heal them, to drive out a demon and a sister and a, and, and a cousin, a, a family member, a friend. And unlike today, can you imagine there were no copays? There were no insurance disputes here. No HMOs. No Obamacare. It was a wonderful, crazy day. No one, uh, nowhere at any point in history had ever experienced anything like this day. Jesus was healing freely, completely, totally, driving out demons. Jesus was extraordinarily busy. If you're in ministry, if you minister to others, if, if you serve others, you're going to be busy. The busyness of your work, the busyness of your job, the busyness of your, your family, attending to your kids, uh, your, your neighbors, the, the different people God has placed in your life, all of which God has made you to do is demanding. And it's a good thing. God has created you. He has given you gifts and abilities. Uh, to glorify Him, to serve other people, to use in the marketplace, to use in the community around you, to use in serving your family. And you will be busy using those gifts and abilities, whether you're a cook, whether you're a cab driver, whether you're a carpenter, whether you're a CEO, whether you're a stay-at-home mom. And one of the main ways you glorify God is by loving other people, using the gifts and abilities God has given you in work, all the different kinds of work. Jesus was busy you're busy, I'm busy. There is a right kind of busy, and it's Jesus Christ here. But there's a wrong kind. The wrong kind is you always being busy trying to control everything in your life, 
trying to control the people around you, trying to make sure everything is perfect, everything kind of fits, or or, are you being busy because you're just trying to please others and you can never ever say no. It's you being busy because you're trying to impress because you're trying to improve your worth, or prove your worth, I should say. Uh, you're trying to establish your significance or, or achieve a certain status. Uh, and so it, it's you filling your life or the lives of your kids with all sorts of things, things that God hasn't even called you to do because you're going, 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 because you've got to prove something, you've got to achieve something. Because the God you worship is an idol called more, bigger, better, success. And you're not content, man, you're not content to sit at the feet of Jesus and to pray and to study His Word. And it's hard for you to sustain meaningful relationships, long conversations, and to be open and allow other people to hold you accountable. You're busy, but that's the wrong kind of busyness. Now, uh, this is tricky Because the good kind of busy is serving God, whatever you do, wherever it is. Uh, The bad kind is you serving yourself. And man, I want to encourage you this morning to dig deep and ask yourself, what kind of busyness is it that characterizes my life? Is it the right kind? Is it the wrong kind? See, what I want to say to you this morning is it's simply not a sin to be busy or to be tired. Or to feel overwhelmed because of all the demands in your life. That's Jesus here in Mark chapter 1. It's what it means, frankly, to follow and to fish. Because the moment you step into people's lives and you bear other people's burdens or you care for the sick or or you work really hard to to provide for your family or to make a contribution in your your community or to care for other people, man, you're going to be weighed down by other people's burdens. And I want to deliver you this morning from this notion that you are unspiritual if you are busy. wrong if you're a young mom you have young kids you're going to feel overwhelmed you're going to feel like all you do is drive a taxi (laughs) if you're an executive you're looking for minutes in your day if you're a caregiver if you're a teacher you're working long hard hours and that's a good thing that's a that's a beautiful thing that's how god made you but i want to warn you that left unexamined, your busyness can also become an idol in itself. And it will lie to you. That idol will lie to you, telling you you're significant because you're always going. And along the way, what happens is it rots you from the inside out as it fills you with what will not sustain you, which is yourself. And it will keep you from God. Now those of you that are type A's, overachievers, I'm one. Those of you that, that have a lot of demands on you, a demanding job, a particularly demanding family situation. Uh, man, have at it, but, but be careful. Jesus was busy serving, not building an empire. 
Big difference. So he wasn't demanding, he wasn't showy, he wasn't splashy, he wasn't full of himself, he wasn't trying to produce or prove his significance identity. He always had time for people. There's a right kind of busy, there's a wrong kind of busy. What we see here is the right kind. It's called living life before God. Now let's go on. Let's go to prayer. Jesus in prayer. Uh, uh, This verse just jumps up and grabs me all the time. Verse 35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place. So Jesus has been pouring himself out in ministry, in people, in, in serving, in work. Then Jesus unplugs. He rests, he recovers in solitude and prayer. Now this isn't isolation, this is solitude. Isolation is a bad thing. Solitude is a necessary thing. It's a Jesus thing. Solitude here is fasting from people, fasting from activity, fasting from noise, fasting from technology, uh, uh, from everything horizontal. So you can recharge, reconnect, recalibrate vertically your relationship with God through prayer, through the study of God's Word. In the Gospels, Jesus prays alone five times. Look at this verse from Luke 5.16. We are told Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed and prayed. In the Gospels, we have, this, we have specific prayers of Jesus. Like the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6 or the, the longer high priestly prayer in John chapter 17. Beautiful prayers. Jesus teaches on prayer in the Gospels. He rebukes his disciples for their prayerlessness. And he gives us some parables about the importance of of persevering, of of keeping on in in prayer. And in times of trouble, Gethsemane, in times of stress and uncertainty, the demands of people, here in Mark chapter 1, Jesus prays. Uh, For Jesus, it was busyness and then prayer. Busyness and then solitude. Uh, solitude, and, and then I get after the work. And I, 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 you, this is a kingdom rhythm. A, a, a Jesus rhythm, if you will. It's the way Jesus recharged. It's the way Jesus recovered. So <clears throat> in verse 35, all these descriptors, Jesus gets up early while it's still dark. He leaves the house. He climbs up the hill or, or wherever around Capernaum to... To, to get alone, to get, get away, all emphasize how important prayer was to our Lord Jesus. Now this raises a couple of questions for me, probably for you. And, and one of the questions is, well, if Jesus is God, and Mark has been arguing as we've been seeing from the very beginning of this gospel, I mean, you go back to verse 1, that Jesus is God. Well, if Jesus is God, why does Jesus need to pray? And the answer is because Jesus was not only fully God, Jesus was fully human. 
fully man. And the old theologians used to put it this way, remaining what he was, he became what he was not. And what they mean is that in the incarnation, Jesus remains fully God, but becomes what he had never been previously, fully human. And by the way, this is the greatest miracle in the Bible. This is greater than the resurrection. The God of the universe becoming fully man? It's what makes the resurrection possible. And because in the incarnation, Jesus didn't give up one iota, one millisecond of his deity, even when he's a, a, a baby. But he intentionally adds on humanity. So this, for example, is why in the very first verse of the Gospel of John, we are told that Jesus is eternal. Yet if we go to the Gospel of Luke in chapter 3, we are told when Jesus was 30, he began his ministry. He's eternal and he's 30. This is why Colossians, for example, Colossians chapter 1 tells us that Jesus was before all things and in him all things hold together. He is in complete control of the universe. Sovereign. Yet we'll go a couple chapters deeper into our study of Mark and we'll see Jesus asleep in a boat. Sovereign and asleep. Well, here in Mark chapter 1, we see a couple illustrations of this tension. Jesus freely, completely, totally casts out demons. Yet when he's in the wilderness, he's tempted by Satan. As God, Jesus answers prayer. As man, Jesus prays. So what does this mean for us? Well, we need to go to school on Jesus' humanity here. And it means that the Jesus rhythm, the kingdom rhythm, if you will, here, is that busy people aren't just empty, active people. They are praying people. We're busy and we pray. Jesus was busy and Jesus prayed. And the reason you and I must pray, and there's lots of reasons why you and I must pray, but one of the main reasons is because Jesus prayed. And Jesus' busyness didn't keep him from prayer. It drove him to prayer. And Jesus is modeling how life is intended to work, what this rhythm is to be. People were pressing. People were pushing. They were demanding. The demands were endless. Jesus has been pouring himself out, yet Jesus works hard to get to solitude. To get alone. To recalibrate, going over God's word, and to pray. And in his humanity, Jesus needed to eat, he needed to drink, he needed to sleep, he needed to wear clothes, and he needed to pray. A day without prayer is boast a boast against God. I want to pray because Jesus prayed. I know this is difficult. Philip Yancey in his book, Prayer, talks about prayer sometimes as like hide and seek. Only you're seeking and God appears to be hiding. 
And we've all struggled with unanswered prayers or, or situations that come out of nowhere and man, they just, they almost undo us. And that's part of the human experience. And, and we wonder, God, where in the world are you? And we feel like prayer doesn't work and we're tempted to give up. But the reason we keep on praying is because Jesus prayed. And prayer is what God does when He becomes a human. Don't miss this. I know you're busy, man. I'm, I'm busy. But if you want to be all that God wants you to be, if you want to do all that God wants you to do, if you want to overcome the anger and the restlessness and the hopelessness and the self-centeredness that gnaws at the human heart, your heart, my heart, if you want to protect your, your, your family and the people you care about from the increasing evil uh, around us, you'll pray. You'll pray. Uh, Pastor Charles Stanley recently wrote a book on prayer. The book is good. But there's a paragraph at the beginning by his daughter that's priceless. I want you to see it. Let's put it up on the screen. Of all the lessons I have learned from my dad, of all the challenges I have seen him face, of all the successes I've helped him celebrate, the disappointments I know he has suffered, the characteristic that defines him most is his relationship with God through prayer. Nothing has influenced me more than observing his daily habit of meeting with God behind closed doors, on his knees, Bible open, and with little regard for time. Man, I wish each and every one of our kids could say that about us. Say that about you. Jesus has come, it's the table, to invite you into the ultimate conversation, the ultimate relationship. He, he died for you. Here he is modeling on the front end of his ministry this great privilege we have of friendship, communication, conversation with the living God. It's a daily expression of our love relationship. It's how we do friendship. And we do it because we know God loves me, that God has died for me, that God sent his son for me, and God is completely and totally change me and is continuing to remake me. Man, Jesus prayed, you pray. This is a lifestyle, a kingdom rhythm issue. Now let me go on. So there's busyness here, but it's a good kind of busyness. And there's a difference between the good and bad kind. And then there's prayer here. We see Jesus praying. And what I want you to notice is out of prayer... What comes next is priorities. Priority clarification, value clarification, mission alignment, call it whatever you will. Because here we see Jesus expressing his life lived in alignment with the specific calling of God. Now this really unfolds beginning in verse 36, verses 36 and verse 37, but then it picks up. Uh, beginning in verse 38 as Jesus speaks. And something flat amazing happens here. Jesus is praying, and while he's praying, he's interrupted by Peter. It won't be the last time. 
But Peter and, and his companions, probably fellow villagers from Capernaum and people from beyond, are, are, are looking. And in verse 36, there's this verb, they, they went. They went out to look for Peter to, or to, for Jesus and to find Jesus. And actually, that verb behind our translation, went, is much stronger. And, and it could be translated, they pursued, they hunted Jesus. They were frenzied. These people are frenzied, man. They're hunting for Jesus. And so they're exclaiming when they find Jesus, everyone's looking for you. What are you doing? Oh, you're praying. Jesus, what's the matter with you? Oh, you want to pray? Jesus, everybody is looking for you. Oh, you want a few more minutes? Okay. Now that's not the amazing thing here. The amazing thing is Jesus leaves. He leaves. Let's go somewhere else. The, the line of people had gotten longer throughout the night. A lot of people had pulled all-nighters. And they're all waiting for Jesus. Uh, and Jesus leaves. And so here's what's amazing to me. Jesus didn't heal everyone that needed to be healed. He didn't drive out every demon that needed to be driven out. Uh, do you see that? I want you to see that. And for those left in line, those people that didn't get healed... Man, this was confusing. It was bewildering. It was upsetting. It, it, it was really, really disappointing. Where'd Jesus go? He went to another town. What about my daughter? What about my mother? But Jesus explains it here. He explains it by saying, I'm not against healing. I've healed and I'm going to heal more. I'm going to heal in some of these other towns. But I am not here to build a hospital. I will drive out demons. I've been driving out demons. I'll drive out more demons. But I'm not here to create a show. Jesus says, man, my mission is to preach to point people to who I am and what I'm about to do for them, to rescue them from their sin. This is why I have come, Jesus says. Jesus knew his mission. Knew it. And i, I got to tell you, this is stunning. This is what's amazing to me. It has been a huge help to me over the years because Jesus here doesn't base his ministry on needs. He bases his ministry on priorities, divine priorities, God-given priorities. Jesus didn't minister out of guilt. He ministered out of conviction. Guilt comes from people. Conviction comes from the living God. So here we have Jesus pouring himself out in ministry, Jesus rekindling self in prayer, and then he in, it reemerges refocused. Prepared to go forward, land on his life, serving, giving, investing, working, working hard, living, all out of a sense of calling, out of a sense of conviction, out of a sense of mission, not out of a sense of need, not out of a sense of potential, not out of a sense of the demandingness of others or having to play to the crowd. 
Now, man, I want you to hear me. It doesn't matter what your profession is. It doesn't matter what your situation, your life situation is. You can't do everything. You can't even do many things. And if Satan, by the way, can't get you to sin, one of the things he will try to do is to get you busy with the wrong kind of busyness. Because along the way, what happens? You neglect the most important thing in your life, and and that is your relationship with God, and that is being a person of the Word and being a person of prayer, and then fleshing out His specific call on your life using the gifts and abilities and the situations He's given you. I want you to understand that Peter comes to Jesus here when Jesus is in the middle of praying with something good. Something legitimate. And Jesus says, no. There's something better. I've got to stick to preaching. Come on, you guys are going with me. We'll heal. We'll drive out demons along the way. And so whether it's your work, whether it's your, your family, the, the, this time alone with God, this solitude with God, man, it enables us to refocus and enables us to get back in touch with God's call on our life. And some of you are thinking, well, how do I get this kind of clarity? And I want to say to you, there's the answer. In the same way Jesus got this clarity, by getting alone with God, by solitude, by prayer. And friends, I want this rhythm for you. I want you to work hard and use the capacities God has given you. I want you to pour yourself out in the marketplace. Pour yourself out for your families. Pour yourself out to make a difference in light of the needs all around us in our communities and our world. And it doesn't matter if you're you're a banker or a hairdresser or or you're caring for uh, the sick or you're caring for your own children. At at times it's going to be thankless. At times it's going to be demanding. And you're going to feel overwhelmed and you're going to be busy. But you sustain it. You energize it through prayer. Through God's Word. Through cultivating this relationship with Him. And what happens is the result is that you are a joy to be around. And people love you because you live out of priorities. You live out of grace, not guilt. Priorities, not pressure. Because you know who God is and you know what He has called you to do and you are blown away by the table by the grace of God in Jesus Christ and you are free to lift up Christ in all the wonderful different ways God will give you as you live before Him. Let's pray. Father, as as we pray, I want this to be different because we see how important this is to Jesus. And I would pray that you would give us the grace to pray. I I, I would pray for these busy people with wonderful gifts and abilities, wonderful opportunities that so many people are going to have even today and tomorrow. 
Father, give us the ability to accept our busyness, to come to you in prayer, and to stay as people on mission for Jesus' sake. Amen. Let's stand together.